Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan, and I'm your host. As always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon family. Go check out Pantheon Podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all your musical podcast needs. There's tons of great shows, so be sure to check it out. So one thing that most of us can relate to is setting deadlines. Sometimes it's for work or school projects, and sometimes it's for chasing dreams. Marcus Adam told his mom that if he hadn't reached a certain level of success in the music industry by the time he was 30, he would look for another career. Well, it just so happens that on his 30th birthday, yep, the exact day, he got his chance to leap his career forward, and he tells us that story here on the show today, and I hope that you stay tuned and listen. On this episode of the Song Facts Podcast, we get to know Marcus, his journey to releasing his debut album, Love vs. War, which is out now, so please check it out, and please welcome... Marcus Adam. We're with Marcus Adam, and I just want to say, first of all, man, welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, Corey. I appreciate it. Been a good summer? Yeah, man. It's been a really good summer. Um, busy summer. You know, it's been a busy summer. Uh, I've been doing a, a lot of uh, bartending, actually. I work at a um, event space. I'm actually here right now. Um, so it's been a very eventful summer. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, a lot of I... weddings, weddings, bar mitzvahs and such. Okay, so you are still doing that. I was reading a little bit about you, and I knew that you had done that before, but you still kind of keep your hat in that ring a little bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're from the Chicago area originally? Mm-hmm. So I lived, um, I'm from Wisconsin. Um, okay. And I lived in Milwaukee for about five years, um, probably like starting like 15 years ago or so now. But I... Um, I always came down to Chicago because I was such a huge fan of blues music. So I'm wondering for you being from there, how has the music of that city kind of shaped you as an artist? Um, I mean, in every way, like, I mean, when I was a little kid, uh, my mom, um, basically she grew up in Robert Taylor home. She's from Mississippi, but they moved up here um, when she was in like her uh, early 20s, something like that. So uh, for me growing up, it was a lot of uh, gospel, like, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. church, you know, Chicago church music, uh, gospel music and things like that. And then obviously um, growing up and just learning about Chicago's rich history with blues. Yeah. um, And then jazz. um, I mean, the Green Mill is like an iconic place. It was actually Al Capone's like speakeasy back in the day. So I'd heard Uh, about the Green Mill. I've I've definitely heard about that. My place that I would come down to and go all the time was Kingston Mines. Oh, love Kingston Mines. I actually had um, I was um, bartending the other night and these uh, ladies were in town from Maui. 
Okay. And they were asking me uh, for recommendations. And I was like, Kingston Mines all day. You have like, to, right? That place. Yeah. My buddy, my actually, my uh, my MD, my music director, uh, he actually, uh, well, pre-COVID, uh, he played there quite a lot. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a regular. Like, I mean, it, it, it really is just one of those places that any night of the week you walk in and you know you're just going to see top-notch performances and music. Dude, top-notch. And I'm talking about all night, too. Like, they go to, like, two two, three in the morning. And it's cool because it's like the touristy place. So it's like, you'll see like, you know, in the corner, there's a group of like 10 French people. And then there's like, yeah. so it's like, you know, culturally diverse and like, you've got young people cause um, the DePaul's right there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you got young kids who come in from there and then you've got a bunch of like, you know, touristy people, like I said, coming in from, um, you know, downtown. And then you've got just, you know, the regulars. Yeah, absolutely. Like so it's, no, just, it, it's such a cool vibe. Yeah, it's I, I miss it so much. And that's one of the things that where I am, there's not much for blues. And I've just been that's been such a part of my life, my adult life anyway. Um, and then I also share some time in Denver, too, which doesn't have much of a blues scene at all. But there is a decent jazz scene there. Um, mm. I wouldn't even call it a scene. There's just a couple of venues where you can really go see some good jazz as some people are kind of on tour and filter through Denver's kind of that one city in the middle of nowhere that everyone's got to make a yeah. stop at. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest lesson you learned about the music industry as you were doing session musicianship? I'm always curious how that kind of springboards somebody into doing their solo stuff. Uh, I think the biggest lesson I learned was it's not your project. Like, so if someone wants a certain sound and you know, you obviously want to, add your character and your flavor into things. But one thing I learned right away was, you know, play, play for the project, okay. play for what they want. Don't play what you want. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you had to learn the hard way, but you know, at the end of the day, um, I think that's why some of the best session musicians, uh, like, I mean, if you listen to Steve Jordan or Pino Palladino, it's like, those dudes are so salad, but like along with them being salad, they can like float around and do different stuff when, when time, you know, when time allows it. Yeah. Do you think that when you started working on this um, latest album, which I've got quite a few questions about, but I'm, I'm I just want to kind of touch on it right now that you, I guess what I'm wondering is, do you prefer to have those sounds in your own head and express them and have the person delivered exactly as is or do you want to give them a little bit more freedom as a musician hmm. uh i'd say 50 50 yeah uh, to be honest like there's sometimes where i'll be like dude i have like there's this one part you have to play it and like and then there's times where i'll come in and one of the guys added something and i'm like dude like i never would have thought of that yeah so there's i i guess there's uh beauty and and kind of allowing both to happen naturally yeah i mean i guess you kind of you got to let creative people be creative right yeah to absolutely. a certain extent but also if you have a strong vision and you're like i know that these parts together work so we need to just hit this because i know that the end result's going to be there just trust this vision you kind of got to trust yourself in that way too i think for sure i mean at the end of the day when you get but you know how it is like when you get a song sent to you from the heavens or wherever you know like and you get a melody in your head you know once you hear that it's kind of hard sometimes it sucks because like if you want to change the melody it's like that original 
melody in your head is always what remains, you know? So it's like, but you know, once you hear a part, you know that you, you hear it in like, even if it's an oboe, like whatever the part is, like you can hear it and you know that it needs to be there. And this is the tone that it needs to be. You know, this is how it needs to sound. If it's arpeggiating, whatever it is. Yeah. You know exactly what it is. So. What's your, what's your, are you a trained musician or did you just kind of um, learn on your own feel? Yeah, I, just, I learned on my own, man. I started like when I was five, I just started tapping on shit and uh, hmm. just like pots and pans. And, um, and I think just music has always been in my family. I have a very, like I have, I just found out that I have like, an ant like a secret ant you know like, that always happens like you get older and you found out that granddad was creeping uh so i found out that i have an aunt who's like a, a gospel singer in detroit and i was like what like really? that's so dope yeah so like i guess just you know music has always been in my bloodline um and then i taught myself to play drums uh bought myself my own drum set when i was 11 i cut a bunch of grass for my neighbor and uh, bought this like really crappy drum set for my boy for 50 bucks. Like the hi-hat didn't even close. It was like, it had duct tape on it. And then my brother was DJing at the time. And so like, I'd be in the corner, like trying to like not annoy him cause he was older yeah. than me and like, but still get my chops in. Um, and then I was allowed to play basically till my mom came home from work. So that was a good like two hours to mess around with. And then uh, I took piano lessons when I was a kid, but never really went through with that. So I've kind of always known how to fiddle with stuff. Um, but over time, just kind of learned by ear. And yeah. then um, was blessed to play in churches and do just growing up around cats who were beasts. And just like, then you learn the hard lessons of staying in time and not overplaying and all that other good stuff. Yeah. And I've said this several times on this show, but <laughs> I, as someone who used to play drums more than I do now and played in like quite a few different bands that was my big thing is I just was not the, the song would always finish slower or faster than I started it and I just couldn't hammer it down I just don't know what that was I, sometimes you can do you find practice the so click do you practice so click that's what all my drummer friends are like Corey you gotta fucking done. practice on a click man that's literally bro that's literally oh I love that you said fuck because like the whole time I was like can I swear yeah bring um it. all right cool um so uh, yeah, dude, that's the number one thing. So my boy, Matt Walker, um, who was like, kind of like a mentor to me, uh, he played drums in Smashing Pumpkins when, um, when dude got sick. Um, mm -hmm. and then he plays for Morrissey, toured with Morrissey. And now he just went out garbage. But the thing about this dude is like, they call him like the human click. Really? And like, this dude is just on bro. And I play in the David Bowie cover band with him. And, um, I look over and watch him. I do percussion. I sing. And I look over and watch him, man. And sometimes I play drums. But, like, he is just, though, he is dead on. Yeah. And so that's something I've also learned from him over time is just, like, practice to a click and be consistent to that click because that's literally your job. So, I, I mean, it was. Yeah. And I think that's what I learned. Like, I'm, I'm committed to a certain extent, but not full on. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's a really good message to put out really to, I mean, anybody on the rhythm side of things for sure, but musicians in general, just yeah. as part of your practice session, I think you've got to like spend a little bit of time on that. And it really like, it's frustrating because when you don't, you fall mm -hmm. off time at first quite mm -hmm. a bit, but you, you pick it up. I mean, it's, it's, it, you get yeah, there. For sure. You're a drummer for a reason. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'm wondering about this because you've had this like kind of long progression to get to where you are. Mm. Um, were you ever close to hanging it up and just kind of pursuing something else outside of music? Bro, honestly, eh, man, yeah, a lot. But yeah. the craziest story is um, I told my mom, I was like, yo, so because my mom has two master's degrees, right? Okay. And she raised me and my brother as a single black woman. So she was like dead set on us, like getting an education and okay. shit. And like, so college just wasn't my bag, man. Like, you know, uh, I did, I, I actually went to, I uh, went to community college. Then I went to Columbia college, which is a music school in Chicago mm -hmm. and uh, expensive ass music school <laughs> and uh, great school. But uh, so I actually got an opportunity with this guy from my high school. So this guy I went to high school with uh, was in this band called Spittlefield, which was like this big, um, like punk rock. Like this is back in like, I graduated in 05 okay. at high school, high school in 05. And uh, this was back when like, I mean, Fall Out Boy didn't exist. Fall Out Boy used to open up for my boy's band. This is the like, original emo. Yeah, this is like, we're talking about OG, bro. Oh, wow. uh, and so they went to my high school and they were, on, they were on MTV and shit. And like, we just thought they were the coolest. And uh, I was in a band with his little brother and just people knew me around town as a drummer. And uh, and so randomly got a call from him when I'm in the college and he's like, do you want to go play a couple shows for Third Eye Blind? Like opening up for Third Eye Blind. Wow. And I was like, what? <laughs> random Dude, what? phone call? <laughs> Bro, most <laughs> random shit ever. That's how my life is. But uh, so... I was like, okay. And then it was like finals time or whatever for college. And one of my teachers was like, bro, you can't retake the shit. So I was like, so I'm failing like the whole semester. He's like, yeah, you can't like, you can't miss it. And I was like, bro, I'm going to school for music. Like this is a opportunity right now. And you're telling me that I cannot take it. Oh, that's a tough like, crossroad. This is so ass backwards, bro. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'm out. And so I left school then um but yeah i don't remember where we were at did you go to mom for that question and be like ask her did were you like thinking i'd rather ask for oh, forgiveness yeah, than yeah, permission yeah. this is where we're at yes no i literally did not ask her i just did it <laughs> yeah <I'd rather laughs> ask. Uh, so what happened was uh dude when i was 30 years old so this is what you're saying would you would you rather rather uh hang it up so i was 30 years old bro and i told my mom if i'm 30 and I don't make a career where I'm making like money sustained, like sustainably making money off of this only. Um, then I'll hang it up and I'll go back to school. Dude, it's my 30th birthday. And Twilight Tone, he's a um, producer for Kanye West mm -hmm. and um, Common. Common. Yeah. And so like, bro, I've been hanging out with him for a couple years and just hanging out, just like literally just like little brother. And um, he finds out that I sing. So... Cause I'd randomly like sing in studios at night with my boys. Like I would just be like, yo, sing in part this way. And they'd be like, you fucking sing the part that way. Go in the studio, <laughs> like go in the booth right now. So then I would like be, all right, I'll go in the booth. I'll show you. So, you know, I'm my drunk ass sings and then forgets about it. Don't even remember this shit. And then my buddy Chadwick's in the car and uh, he's, uh, he's like popping, pops on the song and tones like, who's this singing? He's like, bro, that's Marcus. And he's like, why did you tell me you sing? And I was like, I don't sing, really. And that's how oh, it all yeah. started. So he uh, he brought me out to dinner on my 30th birthday. He got back from New York and he was like, dude, I want to help you. Like, you got to do this. 
blah, blah, blah. It was my 30th birthday. And I was like, wow, bro. Like, that's some serendipity. Like, I straight up told my mom if I'm 30 and it's not happening. And then I get a pretty big nod from somebody that I really respect. Was that on your mind? Like, in the days, weeks leading up to that birthday? Like, I made no. this deal with my mom. And then all of a sudden, this kind of oh, just happens. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was in the back of my head. Were you stretching but... though? You're like, I'm going to go to 35. Yeah, bro. <laughs> in my head for sure, bro. I was giving myself the cushion. Yeah. I was like, shit, you know, I'm like at a couple years. Um, yeah, I was definitely trying to stretch it. But no, like honestly, bro, it was all serendipitous. Like he, you know, when someone's like, I'm gonna take you out to dinner when I get back from New York, you're like, okay. Yeah. So like, dude comes back into town and I didn't even know, like, he happened to call me on my birthday and he was like, Let's go to dinner tonight. And he didn't even know it was my birthday. Hmm. so just crazy okay so that was perfect because it segues into my next question because I, you yeah. took me into the moment that I was gonna ask about because I I didn't know for sure but I felt like that situation um with Twilight was a pivot point for you because then yeah, you get sure. to go and work on the 2017 Gorillaz album Humans and yeah. um I'm, I'm wondering once you got into that situation where now you're working on this record with these guys what's the song that you most remember working on with that within that album is there a specific one that you were just like kind of this wow moment or something like that yeah it was uh wow uh it was the first day we were there in the studio and i didn't even know what damon looked like from you know from the dude walking out the street yeah because i know you know him as cartoons right yeah, but I didn't do, I mean, you could have done research and found out, but I didn't really care about that kind of stuff, you know? Okay. Yeah. I just figured I'd meet you when I meet you. Um, but, you know, he just has this presence. Um, and it was the Hallelujah Money song with Benjamin Clementine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Money. Hallelujah Money. that was the first song it's actually a really not well-known song it's like one of the b-sides in the back of the album yeah but uh it is a beautiful song and this dude has such an interesting voice and this the vocals have this swelling thing la, 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 la. La, 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 la. it's got this like beautiful like and we were just swaying there and we didn't know each other yeah. we were just you know all the vocalists that hadn't met each other yet and there was this beautiful really beautiful i'm getting goosebumps like it was this beautiful moment of just like music yeah speaks more than language and boundaries and barriers you know I th and I we think all I just met like you know in a couple hours ago and we we're all making beautiful music you know there's something to that, right? Like that's, that's a really unique thing to me about music. I mean, I think sports mm -hmm. kind of has that too. You can get like in a pickup football game or baseball game or what basketball game, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you're like, man, that's five. We kind of ran that pretty well for a while there, yeah. but music, yeah. you, you kind of get into that. And it's a, maybe a little bit more personal because it's like, you kind of can take that step back and be like, man, that felt good. Yeah. And um, I, I really, that's one thing that I do miss about playing. Um, yeah. 
So do you think that this debut album that you've got coming out here, Love Vs. War, do you think that this would have happened um, if not for that experience and why? Absolutely not. Um, no. I think, I think because it proved to me, you know, let alone being on the Grammy nominated album with a band that I grew up idolizing and, you know, watching and listening to, um, I think it just proved to me that you really can do, you know, amazing things if you just keep uh, pushing and uh, persevering. And I think it showed me that the universe, I think, speaks back to you when you take a shot. And um, I wanted to take a shot because I wanted, I felt like, you know what, man, like I could live my whole life thinking about what would have happened if I did or did not write an album. Yeah. And it just was like something where I was like, you know what, bro, like if this is the first and last album that I ever do, this is what I would want it to sound like. This is who I would want to be on it. And let's move forward. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So, if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, Check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. I, th I think I get that vibe. I mean, when I, without even meeting you, there's authenticity that kind of comes through the songs that I've been able to listen to so far. And as a listener, I think that's always appreciated because I think that honesty and authenticity is the most one of the most important things that you've got to have as an artist because i think yeah. people are smart they can smell if somebody's being fake and that's not really who they are 100 percent. the lead single on this was and is lonely because this was never love Never love. Oh, 
And this is just such a smooth R&B track. And you, I, I read something that you've said that it's a song about being physically present with someone, but still emotionally void inside. And I want you to elaborate that a little bit, but I want to first, when I read that and then listened to the song, I want to just kind of take you into where my head went. Cause this is something that I've had. I, I've spent a lot of my adult life being single and on my own. Yeah. And I always like people were always were pressuring me like, man, you just, you know, go out and like, you should be dating someone. Like there's plenty of people that would date you in this kind of thing. And I was always like, I'm picky and I'm going to be picky. I'm sorry. And my, 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 my sentence that I'd always go to is like, if you're sitting alone on the couch on like a Wednesday night, it's much lonelier to be sitting next to somebody who you don't want to be next to than be sitting by yourself. And that was what that song kind of brought me to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a pretty good parallel. Yeah. So is that kind of where you were coming from with it? Like, I'm just kind of curious with your quote about that, if that's that void that you were talking about, or were you coming from a different angle? 100% that. And it's like, but at the same time, it's like, you both know, like you both, there's like this energy where you're just like, you guys are both just blah about it. Yeah. And like, that's almost worse because of like, but then you guys are both like, needing the fizz in action and you're bored yeah. but it just blares even louder that there's no more that there's no emotional connection between you you know what i'm saying so that makes you even more right? and there's not really any space for any more growth or anything like that like we've kind of no. hit the ceiling of there's no connect there's no connection yeah you know there's a there's no vibe there's no fluidity Is you that- know you could be attracted to somebody but not vibe with them that happens every day 100 percent. 100 is that uh somebody in particular as a particular experience or is that a, a few yeah. yeah it was uh it was one one particular it was inspired by someone <laughs> <laughs> we don't got a name inspired. drop no it's not happening big guy it's not happening but it was That's inspired right. by somebody yeah um okay so then we have what i think is probably my favorite um, track that I've been able to hear so far and it feels good we know it's wrong we've both got guilty feelings but if we hold on we just might forget everything because it feels good when I'm with you it'll all be worth it feels good And mm. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if you are, this is going to be awesome. But there's a record that Ry Cooter produced with a bunch of um, Cuban musicians, probably like 20 years ago or so, called the Buena Vista Social Club. You heard of this? This is... Bro, the- Chan Chan? Yeah, man. Bro, yeah. like Dos bro. Cardenas? <laughs> yes, Dos Cardenas para ti. Yes. Yeah, bro, come on. This is where this Dude. is where this song took me because of this Latin flair, especially in the chorus. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. curious, what's happening in your world as this one comes together? Because it's got to be a standout on the album. Bro, that's one of my favorite songs. And I'm like, I'm really hoping people vibe it. Um, for all my friends and people who've heard it right now, it's one of the favorites. But... Um, right. That was a little thing that me and um, 
my friend Michelle, who I write a lot of songs with, mm -hmm. um, she wrote, she probably wrote with me on like, to be honest, like 60% of the album, over 50 for sure. But um, she had this idea of this chorus, feels good when I'm with you. And like it had this like Latina vibe and that Afro-Cuban vibe. And so we basically, me and my best friend flipped it and just like, I was like, bro, like we need that traditional sound with the like, with our flair, like our spin on it. And he, I think he killed it. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely the vibe because Bonavista Social Club, man, like to be honest, like that's my like Saturday morning cooking breakfast, like cleaning. Like I love that stuff. Bro. Absolutely. Sun, sun shining outside. And you're just like, bro, life can't get any better than this. No, I'm so happy that you're familiar with yeah. that because that's immediately, yeah. it just transported me back to that. If you haven't, there's a documentary about that that you've got to check out. Doing it tonight. Oh, it's unbelievable. 100% down, bro. The, um, so yeah. What is it I, on? I, I don't know because I saw it probably back when Netflix was still sending DVDs in the mail. Ooh, damn. <laughs> God dang, we just aged ourselves. <laughs> I know, man. It's not Woo! great. You it's said DVD. Great. You said DVD. Yeah. And mail. And mail. Like, people don't even know that that was a thing, I don't think, but it was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, these kids don't know. Send me they three. Don't understand. I'll send them back. Send me three Bro, more. They don't understand the struggle. You know what's funny <laughs> is I I passed Redbox the other day and I was like, ooh, ooh, it They're was a good idea out. while it lasted. <laughs> I mean, why? How the how are they not gonna hang out? Well, do I don't know where I'm gonna. I don't even have anywhere to put a DVD right now. But what I'm saying is, like, all those boxes are out there. Like, they're going to keep them out there. <laughs> it's like, true. what are you going to go? Go pick up all of those boxes that you put everywhere just because technology is null and void. I think to the end of the day, dude, those will be, like, if the apocalypse ever happens, there's going to be red boxes, bro. Red boxes, cockroaches, yeah. and share. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a dope-ass album, bro. That's my next shit. <laughs> I'll put a call red in the boxes, share. cockroaches, and shit. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Bro, so, I'll definitely give you some credit. Oh, thank you. What's the um, what's the toughest challenge that you didn't see coming with writing your first album? Oh my God, splits. Go into a little more detail on that. Uh, like when you go into the studio, you should no matter what your relationship is with people, you should one hundred percent have documents signed ready to go this is what percent you get this is what percent you get even if you you know play the fucking tambourine yeah <laughs> you know you've got to discuss the fact that so if you say i'm playing this tambourine for free i just want to play on it blah blah, blah then you need to sign that and write that down and i'm dead ass serious it's like it sounds overly you know and then you don't want to like it you know, in music, you're like, dude, I'm chill. Like, of course, we can figure this out later. Smoking this shit, you're like, bro, I'm whatever, figure this shit out later. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> that is the problem because you are smoking and drinking and hanging out. And then that person hears the song later and they're like, no, I did remember. And like, no, like you like, and then you're all friends. So you're like, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but that's definitely not what happened. So just like number one lesson is just like to keep everything copacetic. Yeah. Just like have those conversations early and um, and have those documented and figured out, even if it does 
feel petty or feel whatever it's business this is a business as well as it is an art yeah and i think that that carries over into any industry outside of business especially when friends are getting involved because it is like a weird conversation to have but i've learned the same way you did the hard fucking way to do it up front up front bro and i mean dude i'm talking about this would have saved me hours of conversations and arguments and bro just crazy shit and we're all good now like everybody's good we're family you know but like it's bro it's definitely something that i think young artists need to realize is like bro even if it's like a makeshift document that you guys all you know sign or whatever even if it's in an email you know that counts as a counts as an agreement as well but whatever it is just get it done yeah just be transparent about that kind of stuff or else it can come back yeah, I think that's 100%. a really good. I think that's a really good tip, um, Marcus yeah. Adam. I'm so appreciative. I've got one more question for you. The album yeah. is. Um, what's the date that it's dropping? I've I've got that down here somewhere. Is Bro, it September 24th? Yes. Yeah, we've changed the date a couple times. So I'm like, <laughs> did, did they send you that information? They did. Thank yeah, you. September My 24th. People. Love vs. War is the name. There's so much good stuff that I've heard so far, so I know it's going to be good. My last question for you is, how has the making of your first album helped you grow as a musician and songwriter? Um, I think it... Good question. Um, I think that it's opened my eyes to realize that there's so much more inside of you than you ever thought. Like, and it's, and sometimes you need other people to tap it in, Mm -hmm. you know, to tap into that. Um, But there's, man, when you, sometimes, you know, when you're sitting there and you're like, fuck, like, I can't come up with this hook or I can't come up with this pre-course or I can't come up with blah, blah, blah. Like sit, sit to the side, but like, don't, be discouraged like bro it's inside of you take yeah. a second whatever blah 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 but like find a way to get inspired in that um take a step back for a second but like keep writing because there's so much music inside of you that you don't you're not aware of and i think it's that's the beautiful part about what we do as artists is you in our you know in our world we can keep recreating um and keep scoping and, you know, like as a doctor or any other thing, like, I think that like, you know, and nothing on these people, but I think that their jobs become very, you know, broken down every day. It's pretty much this, this and that for us. Yeah. We can just keep spinning the wheel, bro, and keep recreating and, and throwing darts at the board and, you know, testing out different, different things. Cause I mean, really to get the most out of, up the whatever the project is or the life circumstance that you're putting your you're going down like you just going down and writing your first album like you're gonna test yourself you're gonna hit points that are gonna make you question like am i doing the right thing is this really yeah. a song is that's album worthy yeah, authenticity again yeah. and that kind of stuff and it's like what you said just keep with the belief keep pushing i think it's a great message to send out to people and man i really appreciate it this is I just remembered going to drop after the release. So everyone, September 24th already happened. So go nice. get the album. <laughs> love it. Love it. Go get the album, please. And thank you so much for your time, man. 
Thank you, Corey. It was, uh, it was a really good conversation. I appreciate you having me. Wow. Really big thank you to Marcus for coming on and chatting about these songs and his life and career. Such an inspiration. I just think whenever you got somebody that's really chasing their dreams and starting to find that success, it is so fun. And you can hear it in his voice that he is right there. As always, guys, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.